into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, who next week will become the largest fan-owned club in the UK. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Oh, so Gail's not joining us this week. I thought it was you and your um, your girlfriend slash partner slash fiance to be slash wife to be who's in the same room as you. And I knew I you would you were, lead with this. Well, of course, don't tell me things. It's like giving <laughs> your secrets away to someone you work with and then you introduce them and then they just give you your secrets back and say it to a public audience. So, yeah, um, thank you for, for inviting me. On today, I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing the... Three's a crowd usually football. as well. <clears throat> well, you haven't asked her to marry you yet, have you? No. Luckily, <laughs> she, luckily, she cannot hear you. She can only hear me. Um, okay, I'll Facebook message her. So, that's that's good. I, I was going to make well, a... Co- what's her surname so I know what you're to message? No, that, you, message a random? You don't, you don't get to know that. Okay. To be fair, you could know her surname and you'd probably still find a random, so... Yes, my other half is in the same room as me, but that is not relevant to to what's happening. And it, on it's this not. Week's... It's not. Seventy minutes, and and I was thinking this is just going to be the best podcast. We're sitting top of the table with three wins out of three, and then seventy-one minutes in the equaliser, and um, yeah, a lot to discuss from that from that game. But how good? What I mean, you you can explain. You were there. We were watching, my mum messaged me, my dad messaged me, said the noise at the kickoff was amazing. How good was it to have a full Tynecastle again? Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, biggest crowd at Tynecastle since we defeated Rangers 2 1, February 2020. Uh, 17,500, obviously 1,300 away fans for Aberdeen, I think, added to the occasion as well. And it was wonderful. Just the noise with the players coming out onto the field. Of, very poignant tribute to Maris Salyukas in the 26th minute. Uh, some maybe half-hearted boos at the end. <laughs> Thankfully, not too many. But uh, yeah, on the whole, it was it was great to have fans back. And it obviously, it was affected a little bit by the second half of Aberdeen started to kind of get right back into the game and and take control of it. But just in general, to have a capacity crowd effectively was just super to see and. Although it was obviously probably far better being there, I'm sure it still came across as as fantastic as well watching on TV because empty stadiums are bad, are, are soulless whether you're there or whether you're watching at home. Plus, Tannadice this weekend, an away day for Hearts supporters mm. that they've not had since what the St. Menon game, wouldn't it have been March 2020? Um, I know pre-season there were there were I know oh, shudder that that football club. Um, I think there were one or two pre-season friendlies where fans were allowed, but not proper yeah, kind of away yeah. trips and decent number of tickets. I believe have already been sold, so it was always a decent trip. I always like going to Tanadice. 
Yeah, uh, it's not one that we've had for for quite a while since yeah. since Robbie Nielsen's first spell at the club. It's because of the way that Hearts and Dundee United's mm-hmm. yo-yo um, seasons have been in recent years. They've not crossed paths very much. In fact, we'll we'll get into that Feb- later on. February 2016. Wow. Yeah, and the only meeting since then, Robbie Nielsen was in the Dundee United dugout. So um, yeah, it's been a bit of a wait for a league game, and certainly a wait for. A game at Tanadice. We will talk about that. We will talk about the game against Aberdeen, of course, and some of the other um, news stories that have come out of Tynecastle this week. And and maybe if we get time, a little look at some of your suggestions for a potential Scottish football-themed movie or TV series. Right, let's kick off with the game at the weekend. So Hart and Midlothian against Aberdeen. At the point of the game starting, it were the two remaining sides who were yet to drop points in the Premiership this season after Hibernian drew with Dundee in the lunchtime kickoff. Let's have a quick listen back to the goals from Sunday afternoon. I was about to say Saturday. Here's Alex Cochran. Haring. Feeds it to the left to Halliday. Looks for the overlapping run of Mackay Stephen. Oh, tries to get ahead of Gallagher. Yes, goes down. Yes, Penalty yes. kick. Yes. Mackay Stephen just got there ahead of Declan Gallagher. A little touch away from the Aberdeen man. I'm not sure how much contact there was. We'll get a replay in just a moment. It was a little bit sloppy from the Aberdeen defence. Tension around Tynecastle. Boy steps up from 12 yards. Low into the net. Celebrates in front of the Hearts fans in the Corgi end. The fans back in numbers and they celebrate the numbers around us here. Ten minutes into the second half, Liam Boyce from the penalty spot. Hart to Midlothian 1, Aberdeen 0. Well, this looks like he drills it right down the middle. Joe Lewis goes to one side, but it was all about the way he passed it. He got him Stephen on that far side of the box. He just needed to get the touch. Just before Gallagher, he does that, he waits for a bit of contact, there was contact, no question about it, it was a penalty. Beautifully dispatched, Liam Boyce. Back from Emmanuel Thomas, ball curled into the box, a dangerous one, but no one takes it from Aberdeen. Campbell returns it, across the box, a lovely touch at the near post, and Aberdeen are level. It's a really good cutback from Dean Campbell. It's just movement of a quicker striker, thinking he's going to be going to go to the front post, it does go to the front post, he gets a little toe on it. They're right back in the game, Aberdeen now. So Hart Midlothian won, Aberdeen won almost 18,000 people at Tyne Castle on Sunday as both sides remain undefeated but drop their first league points of the season and what was probably a, a fair result on the balance of things. But before we get to that, we'll have a look at the Hearts team who came into this game off the back of a bit of a disappointing not so much result, it was expected result away to Celtic, but maybe a disappointing performance and certainly disappointing start to the game at Celtic Park. A very, very defensive and, and um, poor first half, really, in that game. One change for Robbie Nielsen. Uh, Stephen Kingsley was unwell. He was forced out of the team. And Josh Ginelli came back in, who might well have been in Robbie's thinking for a, a return to the team anyway, having positively affected the match against Celtic when he came on for the second period. 
So Hearts going back to a 3-4-3 with Gordon and goals, Suter, Halkett and Cochrane dropping back into the central defensive area like he did against St Mirren. Smith right, Halliday left, Beningame and Haring in the centre and Ginelli and Gary Mackay, Stephen flanking Liam Boyce. Hearts coming up against Aberdeen. Now this is a, we said this last week Mark, it's a game where this fixture generally favours the home team in recent years. Hearts had lost uh, five I think in the away games at um, lost four, drawn one at Pataudry, and it was the same at Tynecastle in the last five. Four wins for Hearts and one draw. That one draw, the last meeting, and Aberdeen coming off the back of a seven thousand mile round trip to Azerbaijan on Thursday, it did have the feeling like this was set up for Hearts to go and have a go and take the game to Aberdeen early on. And looking at the lineup. Was that about as strong or as, as positive as you would have expected? This is the second game in a row that I assume the team that has been worked on in training has not been the team that has taken the field. Nandouillet against Celtic, a late scratch. Yep. And Stephen Kingsley against Aberdeen, a late scratch. So uh, we'll never know unless Robbie is asked and admits who the player was that was going to miss out had Stephen Kingsley been available. Would it have been Andy Halliday or would it have been Peter Haring? Because I think it would have been one of those two, with Cochrane playing left wing back, Kingsley playing left centre back and Ginelli coming in. So what we had with that lineup is we had ball winners, but we didn't have much pace or energy on the flanks. And as the first half went on, I have to say, Laurie, I was very disappointed with our distribution in the final third. Mm. Now, you can stop crosses or you can get stuck in. The, the first half was as intense a midfield battle as I've seen for, for quite some time. <laughs> and it was refreshing to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think... <laughs> I mentioned it a few times in commentary. I found it an intriguing watch without there being much going on in the final third. But, I mean, you look at the personnel, you've got Benny Beningame, um and Peter Haring against what well, the, the ball winners for, for Aberdeen were like Lewis Ferguson and Scott Brown, you know, all really fierce competitors, combative midfielders, but um, maybe less focus on, I suppose, getting the foot on the ball and creating things, albeit they're all decent footballers technically as well. So it was maybe just geared up to be that type of game, a, a battle in the middle of the park. There was a lot of intensity and a lot of a lot of commitment, but just not enough creativity. And it was almost a case of cancelling each other out in some ways, I think. The old line that gets trotted out by this old commentator from time to time, a lot of perspiration, but not much inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what it was, but it was, it was, it was strangely watchable to see who's going to get the best. I mean, Scott Brown's a bit like Stephen Naismith in that if he's in your team, you're, you're, you're totally behind him as a supporter, but when, I mean, this, this, Aberdeen fans used to hate him when he was at Celtic, and, and now yeah. he's at their club. They, they love him. But he's a pantomime villain. And that's <laughs> what Stephen Naismith was for us. He used to wind you up. And I, I, I don't have any issue what that, whatsoever with that. Look, Bobby Madden's the referee. Bobby Madden or whoever else is in charge of games that Scott and Stephen used to be in. That's their job to, to sort it out. Peter Haring got a caution 
in that game in the 76th minute. Peter Haring should have been booked before that. I think it was his third or his fourth, and then the referee said, right, that's it. One more and you're in the booth. I'm surprised he got as many as that. But I just, I loved watching it. But with those two players at, at wing back, in essence, we had seven defensive type players and only three creative players. And we were decent enough at stopping them from getting the ball and, and winning it back. I thought some of the stuff we played in the, in the first half especially was was decent. Uh, we were opened right up by Ramirez, who should have done better. Craig scored mm-hmm. that. Craig's distribution, I, I, I'm not used to seeing that. That wasn't, that, that was, that wasn't good this week. But you know what? It's, it's a one-off. If it happens all the time, then you worry. But it, just, it just seemed weird, didn't it, with some of his kickouts? Yeah, it, it was. And I mean, Craig Gordon's kicking has never been one of the stronger parts of his game. But um, it was always it was always adequate. But yeah, there was a lot of them getting sent up, and I, I felt that he was taking a lot on his right foot when he didn't have to. Obviously, his weaker foot. You know, a couple of times he got closed down and he didn't have a choice. But there was a few times he took a while with the ball and then hit it with his right foot, which seems strange because he's, he's he is very left footed. Um, yeah, he's normally, normally fine. We didn't seem to. We seemed to be avoiding playing it out short as well. Even when there was a little bit of time, it was it kept going up the park. And you know, Aberdeen. You know, this, this is the old myth of Hearts have always got you know big physical team, but Aberdeen have got a lot, a lot of big guys there. I mean, long balls up the park with Liam Boyce, Gary McKay, Stephen, Josh Janelli. Even in the middle, you know, Peter Haring's all right in the air, but we didn't have a lot of aerial threat or even just trying to win balls in the middle against Lewis Fergus and. Declan Gallagher, a lot of height and strength in that team. So yeah. it was a bit frustrating, I think, from from that perspective, especially being at home, because I felt we kept giving them back possession at times when we when we really didn't need to. And I think that showed in the fact that Aberdeen actually had more possession than us over the piece. Um, I, I thought we maybe edged the first half. And the second, I guess this is when it gets a bit frustrating, is because... We got the goal, and it, it felt like a game where it might just be one goal between them if there was going to be going to be a goal. You know, absolutely no doubt about the penalty. I don't know what Declan Gallagher was complaining at. It was you know, about as clear a penalty as you can get. I think at the first viewing, maybe you're wondering how much contact, but he definitely clips him. Um, so we get that goal, 1-0 up, pushing the hour mark. But from then on in, I think Aberdeen were the better side, and we kind of reshuffled just before the goal. Um, we yeah. moved to the to the back four, and I thought that coupled with J. Manuel Thomas, who I've, I've never been convinced that overall as a player, but he's got something. On he's it. got something, and he gave them an outlet that we didn't have. Mm-hmm. Someone yeah. who could bully our defence a little bit, and he was actually decent with the ball at his feet. And I thought he changed the complexion a little bit. Suddenly, Aberdeen had an outball someone yep. to to aim for and we just really didn't have anything and I felt very sorry for Liam Boyce despite the fact he got a goal um, he, he wasn't given an awful lot to work with Going forward it's pretty clear that there's a, a piece of the jigsaw missing um, if the defence is one piece and the attack is another piece there's that third piece that links the two that is missing and hopefully Ben Woodburn is, is going to be the answer to that because we at one nil. We didn't try and see it out. I just, I didn't feel as 
comfortable and is confident. I, I still think there's a lot of work to be done on when we have the lead. Now, against Celtic, we, we had a 1-0 lead, but it, it it was an early goal that we scored, then they scored, and we, we scored late on to, to get the winner. So you can you can kind of rule that one out. Um, the game against St Mirren, we got one, then we got two. So it's it's that fine line between trying to extend the lead that you have but trying to protect the lead that you've got. The positional change was obviously done for a reason. Um, Robbie did that. That's, that's his prerogative, him and, the, him and the coaching staff. I'm not saying I knew it was coming when they equalised, but it didn't surprise me. I just felt we the, the intensity... For me, it was a game of two halves with Peter Haring. I thought his um, his energy uh, in the first half, along with Benningamy, who how the hell he's at Hearts, I do not know because yeah, he is a classy, classy player, and that's that's why we keep telling you players end up at Hearts because they're flawed in some way. It might not be technically, it might be their past because they haven't played much. Benningamy falls into that. You're not at Everton and 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 go as long as you, you do at that club coming through the youth, getting to the reserves and then um, knocking on the door the first time if you don't have talent and you don't have quality. But for whatever reason, in his case, it, it was injury issues. That's why we've got players like Benny Benningamy. And, and, you see, and, you, say, <laughs> you say that. I was just going to flashback because he has got a name that doesn't roll off the tongue if you try and say it really quickly. And there was one point on Saturday when Jimmy tried to say his full name. It was just like, Benny, Benny, Benny. It just didn't sound like anything. Benny, 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 Benny. Jimmy Sanderson struggles with Michael Smith. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I thought the first half, Benningamy and, and Harry Benning, were, were good. Benny, 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 I thought I thought they were the, the energy was good, but I thought there was a big drop off in, in Peter Haring in the second half with energy because he put so much into it. Maybe that should have been noticed um, mm-hmm. b- before because he played the the full ninety minutes and it got to the stage. I don't know if it was tiredness, but some of his touches just became a little bit too long, um, and that, it was the same for a few of them. Liam Boyce had a couple of heavy touches as well. He looked at as my old gran used to say. He looked puggled, but he was doing so much chasing. So I think we can learn a lot from what we've seen so far. I'm sure we all would have signed up for seven points from the first three games of of the season. But one of the things that annoyed me, it's, it's an undercurrent. They're just under the surface. They're just there. And the minute something goes wrong, Nielsen out! No, I'm not happy. No, I'm it, it frustrates me when it shouldn't because I'm allowing them to get to me. There's no issue with their opinion. That, that That's fine. They're entitled to that. I'm just saying, let's be a little bit more patient. How many of those were the same that kind of said, Benigami, he's not played much. Look at his injury history. God, what was saying another croc for? Give him a three-year deal. But that's, that's life these days. This isn't a cheerleading show. Anybody who's listened to this either every week, one or two weeks, we try and be as open and, and as honest as possible. We have to we have to accept the fact that if we're one up and we don't win a game, or if we lose a game, the, the, you could not complain whatsoever. Everyone should have had the same opinion after that first half at Celtic. That was inexcusable. That was just a disgrace in that first half at Celtic Park because it's our club. We expect them to battle. We expect them to fight, and there was nothing in that. Now. There's always going to be that element. They've made their mind up, right? 
and they're going to they're going to be a silent element when things are going well, but it's not going to take much whatsoever for them to appear again. Well, the key to ensure that they continue to support the football club, but don't have the the kind of negativity, is to win more games. And when you're one 0 up, the expectation is, regardless of who you're playing against, that you should do slightly better than Hearts did. Fine, no problem with that. They're just they're just under the water. But the minute something goes wrong, up pop the heads. Told you, told you. And it, it's frustrating. Um, but there's a reason why they are like that, because a lot of things over the past year, eighteen months. In fact, more than that, even before Robbie came, have been unacceptable at the football club. So this leads to part two of this particular diatribe. And and part two is appealing for patience in a world where patience is in short supply. Right Now, you can only appeal for patience if you think, OK, there's definitely something there. And so far, it's a small sample size of, of what we've seen. But it is a work in progress. If we need a a jigsaw piece that links the piece at the back to the piece up front, we have gone out and we have signed. I think that is a wonderful signing, Ben Woodburn. There's a lot lot of teams that would love to to have signed that player. And I think and I really hope we will see during his time at Tyne Castle, bearing in mind, I think he's out of contract at at Liverpool in the summer, that if he enjoys himself... Then he could be another. He could be another Benny Beningami, who might need to take a step back to take a couple of steps forward. So, as I've said before, no issue whatsoever. Players shouldn't use Hearts as the be-all and end-all, but they should use Hearts as a stepping stone. And the only reason they're going to get a stepping stone by using Hearts is if they play well and the team play well as a result. So he is a piece of the jigsaw. But I still think we need an outball someone to play tighter with, with Liam Boyce, someone that will hold it up with Liam Boyce playing around. Because Boyce is a goal scorer, but he's not a target man. So we need a pacey attacker that's that's either a tall target man who's pacey or, I mean, is non a the answer? We don't know, but I still think we need another one in there. And you know what, Laurie? I think we need a right wing back. I need, if we're having Kingsley, uh, sorry, Halliday on one side, we can't have Smith on the other. Or if we're having Smith on one side, we can't have Halliday on the other. There has to be an out ball. We can't just have three attackers and seven, in essence, defensive type players. We have to have some semblance of an attack on one side. So, could we play a system that sees Josh Ginelli in games that we are likely to have the percentage, the, the higher percentage of the ball? So I'm talking about home games against sides that we would hope to, to win. Could we try Josh Ginelli out there as a right wing back with three at the back, which would able or be able to help accommodate Ben Woodburn? And if we're not, where does Woodburn play and instead of who? Interesting. Um, you definitely highlighted one of the issues I think a lot of people noted and a friend of mine after the game <laughs> said something that was quite pertinent, which was that midfield four could be a back four almost, with you know basically two fullbacks effectively with Halliday and Smith and Beningame and Haring in the centre. You you wouldn't have Beningame at centre back, but two ball winning players effectively, um, which I think certainly isolated 
the attacking areas. So I feel like, and I said this to you, I feel like you can maybe have two ball winners in the middle if you've got more attacking threat in the wide areas. Yeah. Or yeah, or you could have maybe the slightly more defensive-minded Smith, for instance, or Halliday in the wide areas if you've got some more attacking spark from the middle. You know, maybe Makinev, for instance, or someone else who would maybe have more forward thinking um, about him. But to have neither of those things in a game where we're at home and albeit we're playing a decent team in Aberdeen, but we still should be, I feel, at home taking the game to them. I think we definitely need to rethink that. And I'm not sure about the Janelli at wing back. I mean, he does like to drift in a little bit. It's it's just an idea. It's it's just an idea. And do you know what? It might not work. I'm I'm thinking of different ways to get more creativity in the team because seven defensive type players and three attackers isn't going to cut the mustard. It ain't going to get the job done. No, not on unless. I mean, yeah. We have to be more certain creative. situations. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, a that, home game. It's, it's preventative measures as opposed to. Um, it, it's not reactive as opposed to proactive, but it's just, I want to see more. I want to be able to get the ball quicker because what I found as well, as much as it was a battle in midfield, and it was, it was, it was fine to watch. It was, it was enjoyable in the, in, the, in that first, who's going to come out on top, but they had kind of three in behind Ramirez. I know McLennan went off and, and Emmanuel Thomas came on, but by having a flat four with, with two holders, Brown kind of played the role as, conductor of the orchestra and just sat and, and everything went through him. That allowed Lewis Ferguson to get forward a little more to join Jenks and Ojo and McLennan or Emmanuel Thomas. And then you still had Ramirez. So that's why I think we're, we're, we're missing, is that creative spark. And you know what? That creative spark might easily be Ben Woodburn because he's going to start every week when he's available. So what do we do? We're staying three at the back. Who's missing out? Is it Peter Haring? Or who is it? Well, since you brought that up, let's move on and, and kind of discuss that before. I mean, I don't think we need to go into too much more about the game. Um, you know, clear penalty. Hart no. scored yeah. it. Decent yeah. goal from Aberdeen to get back into yeah. it. I think a fair result overall. It, it would have um, felt better, Laurie, if, if we'd scored the equaliser. Uh, yeah. a, a point always feels better when you've when you've had none, when you're when you're behind, and when you're ahead, and you think not think you've got three. We're Hearts fans. We're realistic, but it's that kind of here's what it's it's, it's one of those for Hearts is a cock tease of a result or a <laughs> scoreline. Here's uh, here's what could happen, but we we didn't get the job done. But we did get Ben Woodburn, who has arrived oh, wearing excited. wearing number nine, which a few yeah. people have tagged me in because I was having a moan about squad numbers not being accurate and at least he's an attacking player wearing nine. I would have preferred he wasn't wearing nine, but you know, there we go. Why is Boyce wearing oh. ten and Woodburn's nine? I get pretty. That was Boyce's choice, I believe, was it not? It was it was, yes. Boyce's choicey. Um there's a headline. <laughs> Boyce's choice. Choicey. Um yes. <laughs> so I was interested. I was listening to his interview with with Phil for for Hearts TV, and just I wanted to hear what he would what he would have to say about where he thinks he would fit in and what he can offer. And what what he said was um, the type of player he is. He wants to get on the ball, play between the lines, and be a link between defence and attack. There's your there's your jigsaw piece. Yeah, and that, that's what he is. I would be interested to know 
because you know the news reports you know talking about him, he can play central he can play 10 and he can play off the striker you know left or right so there's a lot of potential options in there so i'm intrigued to see where we use him and i do you think i, I would have a feeling that robbie might use him in different ways depending on the game as well I I think with the player that we seem to have ended up with, our friend Benny Benningamy, I think he can do that job with someone. I think he can do the Scott Brown role. He can just sit. Mm-hmm. Now, bear in mind, Brown sits in front of a back two. This is what I would like to see happen. And I'm basing it on a team that I've mentioned before okay. on this podcast. And it's a similar formation that we're now trying. So, I'm going to take you back to the start of last season. It's time for story time. I'll take <laughs> okay. you back to this, the start of last season. And I'd messaged, because I'd love the way Atalanta play under Gasparini with the three at the back, the four across midfield, but the wing backs are, are like wingers. Mm-hmm. The amount of goals that are scored by wing back to wing back, that is never something that's, that's going to be for, for hearts. I've been, I've been impressed by, by Halliday getting forward into the box from that position but we there shouldn't be any excuse why we we can't have both um attack wing back to attacking wing back with the with the delivery because atalanta scored a lot of goals um timothy castagna ended up at, at, at leicester robin gozens has ended up in the german squad Joachim mela was signed he's decent as well so they base their formation and it's similar um, to, to the kind of formation that Hearts are playing just now, but the personnel is, is very different. So what they do is when they have the ball, one of the centre-backs pushes forward alongside the defensive midfielder. So in essence, the 3-4-2-1 or the 3-4-1-2 becomes a, a kind of 2-5 because you still get your two centre-backs protecting. Um, one can go left, one can go right. Whoever's got the ball pushes forward alongside the defensive midfielder. In this case, it would be Benny Beningamy. And it's got to be a player who's comfortable with the ball at his feet and a good passer. So the, the, the ideal person in this role for Hearts would be John Souter. So I messaged Robbie at the start of last season. I explained this on the podcast as well and said, what do you think? Because we tried it in a couple of games at preseason. I just don't think we've got the personnel right now to play that formation. He said, but I like the formation and I like it when it, when it works. It can really be a threat because you don't have a set formation. You have certain players that play in two or three different formations. So if we were to play that, you wouldn't need a Peter Haring in there. Uh, you would need Benningamy. So you'd have your three at the back. Suter would be your ball carrier. He'd be the one to push forward into midfield alongside Benningamy. That would then allow Woodburn to support Mackay, Stephen and Ginelli with Boyce. And then you've got your width. This is where, if it was me, I know he's kind of looking at a forward, a nippy forward, um, maybe with a bit of a physical presence. But if it was me, I'd be looking at a, a, a wing back that can bomb forward, that can get to the byline, but it's fit enough to get back. Because when you lose possession, the central defender, who was the guy who'd moved forward, just dropped backs to form the three at the back. Um, and someone covers the full back or the wing back that's got forward. It's definitely doable. And I don't think we're far away. So if you've got Beningamy and Woodburn in there, Woodburn pushes forward when we have the ball. The centre-back pushes forward into Woodburn's place that he's vacated. 
My issue is still these wing-backs. Because if we can get attacking wing-backs with energy and with engine to get forward, even if it's deep crosses, wing-back to wing-back, that is certainly something that, that I think can be effective. So for me, we should be looking at a right wing-back, an attacking right wing-back that can bomb forward and get deliveries into the area, as well as a physical player that can hold it up and make sure that Boyce doesn't need to do as much running as he's doing right now. Because what we're finding in the last 10 minutes of games, Boyce is absolutely shattered. And when you're shattered, ask Ryan McGowan as a pro and everything like that, your touch isn't as good as it was when you're you're totally fresh. So there's a kind of story time, a, a, a kind of tactical analysis. I don't think we're that far away. I still think there's a couple of pieces of the jigsaw that need to be signed. The question is, we've got a week to do it. How many more, if any, arrivals will we get? I guess my concern with with that approach is the big one that popped into my head was the single point of failure in John Souter that you are I do, what would we if John Souter was unavailable I feel like that system just would not be an option to be fair Lloyd you, you, you really need well, you definitely need two out of the three as, as ball playing defenders do we have that? No. Kingsley? I don't think we do I don't think we do I think Halkett's the one that kind of stays back no, no matter what I'm not and a couple of people had a go at Halkett at the weekend. I thought he was fine. I thought he, I thought, I thought he's he's better in a back three, Halkett. But if defensively, was, wasn't I wasn't hugely concerned defensively at the weekend. It was more, it was it was the, it was the other direction. I think was yeah, the, the concern. Dis, the distribution um, was a bit of an issue. I get I get what you're saying. Look, it's it's a formation. It's it's like these Brazilian goalkeepers, Ederson and, and Allison. They're in essence they're sweepers. That can use their hands, right? Because you know we used to have a sweeper keeper. Who was who was that? <laughs> <laughs> but you know that you can play it back to him, and, and his distribution is excellent. We need and he, Robbie's Robbie's after a left-sided centre back. He said that he hasn't yeah. got one in yet. But we need the central defenders comfortable in the ball that can distribute and are, are ball playing. So those that could push forward into a defensive midfield role with possession of the ball, and you would trust them to distribute well. I don't think we have those enough of those players right now. No. I, I guess one of my concerns is looking at the looking at the f- formation in the squad. Again, we, ha- we do have quite a few, not single points of failures as such, but we have a lot of areas where we're, we really don't have much depth. And I think the bench no, spoke correct. volumes at the weekend. I mean, yeah. Robbie only put six players on the bench. We couldn't even fill the bench. And three of those players were Aidan Denham, Connor Smith, and Ewan Henderson's played a bit more. But you know, they're not players that right now you'd be putting into the starting eleven if you had to. But that was half of the bench. Um, other, other than that, it was Walker, McInef, and, and sub-goalkeeper Ross Stewart. So we... And Robbie suggested there will be more players to come in. Obviously, we've got Devlin, who we've heard um, will be arriving shortly. He's got his visa approved. But that's a central midfielder. It's almost one of the areas where we do have a little bit of depth. But yeah, and certainly in wing-back and in attack, we're still lacking. I wondered, now I'm not suggesting that I feel this is the right way to go, but part of me wonders if Robbie Nielsen may consider reverting back to a 4-2-3-1 purely out of necessity if for instance he 
can't fill some of the roles he wants to fill. Um, I was looking at the personnel we had and putting out there, for instance, if you include Woodburn, you, Gordon and Goals, Smith, Cochrane, fullbacks, centre backs, Suter, and you know Kingsley or Halkett, depending on form. Uh, two holders, Beningame, alongside maybe Haring, or it could be McInef, again, depending on the opposition, how attacking we want to be. And then I quite like the idea of an attacking three behind Boyce, of Ginelli, Gary McKay, Stephen, and maybe Woodburn in the more 10 role with, with Boyce in attack. Now, that's not to say that's definitely what I would be keen to see. I, I quite like the idea of this 3-4-3. I just look at it and I feel there are limitations with who we currently have, and there's also some areas where, you know, Michael Smith has certain limitations in an attacking sense. But either way, if Michael Smith is out just now, we don't, who are we playing out there? I think that's a really good point. Now, I said earlier about the, the, the team that he put out against Aberdeen, in essence, had seven defensive players and three attacking players. I think that's that's pretty fair to say that. With, the, with those players, right? So Halliday and Smith, yeah. Haring and Benigame, yeah. Suter, Halkett and Cochran. I think with a 3-4-3 or a semblance of a 3-4-3, you should have a mix of either five defensive players and six attackers or six defensive players and five attackers. I think that gives you a good balance. I think that gives you a good balance when you've got the ball and also when you don't have the ball. So to have seven and three, I, th- I think it's lopsided right now. And to your point... I think a 4-2-3-1 probably suits those players slightly better because you you take out either Halliday or Cochrane and you put in Woodburn and as you say you've got Smith and Cochrane so or 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 um or Kingsley when he's fit but probably Cochrane so one of them can get forward. You're not as reliant on on those two wing backs when they're playing in that formation to get forward as, as much. Because I didn't think the distribution, especially from Michael Smith, was very good no. at the weekend. There isn't as much reliance. If you're playing a flat four, you can still push a fullback forward. Remember the Callum Patterson days when we didn't play anybody in front of him and we basically allowed him to play that that flank. So by doing that, you then get your two holders. Um, if it is Benningame and Haring, then Haring could literally be a sitter and, and just drop back and become an extra central defender um, to make a three if, if required. But then you've got that extra creative player in behind the striker or, or whether it's someone that plays closer to Boyce and holds it up better. So I think with the players that we picked at the weekend, with either Halliday or well, probably Halliday missing out because you, you don't need another left-sided kind of player if you've got Gary mckay Stephen. So if if you had Woodburn in for Halliday in a in a four-two-three-one, I think that makes more sense because I'm looking for either six and five or a five and six because I think a seven and three with just three attackers will not get the job done. Just just thoughts. I didn't think we'd be going down the tactical road today, but I'm actually kind of glad that that, that we did. And all will become clear this weekend. Uh, against Dundee United, um, when we see the, the kind of position, I think I think Woodburn will be a box to box. I think we'll see him pick it up. It might be a kind of Paul Hartley or a Colin Cameron who we've not had a, a player like that for a while. I think you'll see him want the ball. He's fearless. He'll want to take it from Benigame or Haring or the centre backs. He'll want players coming short for him. 
um, or he'll be more direct. I think he's he's the type of player that, that we're missing right now, and, and we've got him. The key question is, where do we play him and at the expense of who? Because right now, I think you've got it right. I, I think if you put Woodburn in there, I think a 4-2-3-1 is a better suited formation for those players than, than a 3-4-3. We will see. Robbie Nielsen about Woodburn said, uh, just to get some quotes out there as well for a bit more information, he's an exciting player, one I think will fit really well into our style of play. He's a quick, direct, um, and can bring us different options in the final third. I'm looking forward to working with him and hope that he'll be a success at Hearts. Uh, and Joe Savage talked about the fact that we wanted to bring in quality over quantity, and I think this is a signing another it's another example of that. I'm looking forward to seeing what Ben can do in a maroon shirt, and I hope that fans enjoy watching him play. And on a positive on the recruitment front, you know we've spoken about it, and other fans have spoken about it sometimes. Like we need signings in, but when you take a step back, I, I do like this approach. You know we've had some seasons in recent years where we've had literally what 14 15 players come in in the summer and a lot of it felt very scattergun very we need a we need to play in that position let's just sign him sign him we'll take a punt on him no one's really watched him but you know whatever. it's like it's like sticking a blindfold on jockey wilson and hoping he hits the bullseye you're going to get maybe one in goodness knows how many he's going to hit the target but it's a scattergun gun approach and there are those that want signings but give me the right signings. And I know Robbie said maybe seven or eight, or that's what we thought that that, that they needed. I think the signings that have been made so far have been good. Mm-hmm. I mean, Beningame is... We're so lucky to have him. If he continues like this, he could be up there in contention for certainly team of the year. Um, but he, he's just... He's a wonderful player on what we've seen so far. Um, the other players we've seen, Cochran, he's steady. He's, he's fine. I, I, I probably prefer him as a left wing back. I don't think he's going to pull up any trees, but he's, he's steady. Um, love the signing of Ben Woodburn. That, that, that could be the ace in the pack. Uh, Devlin, we, we don't know. So hopefully they've gone quality over quantity, but I still think they're short as far as squad depth is concerned. But to get players is one thing. To identify them is easy enough. We can all easily identify players. Oh, we should be going for him, 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 or him. But look how difficult it's been to get Ben Woodburn up as quick. We thought we had him earlier, Then Jurgen Klopp's like, well, there's so much going on behind the scenes, we've got no idea about negotiations between agents and between clubs and agents knowing that the, the, the clock is ticking before the transfer window shuts and there must be an element of skullduggery in there as well. I'd like to see more. But I'd like to see more if they're the right signings. And you know what? If the right signings aren't available, I don't want us just to sign players like we've done in the past. But I think we we have to get at least one or two more in. And I'd be optimistic that, that we can do that. And this isn't just something, shit, we, we haven't got him, we need to get... This should be something that's been worked on for weeks, maybe a couple of months behind the scenes, that will come to fruition over the next week. Because right now, our squad depth isn't deep enough. Okay, last week we spoke about... Why did I speak about a shot at glory last week? I can't even remember. Oh, it was because we, fine, I was in it? Iowa for Field of Dreams and we kind of deviated from, okay, well, if they can have a sporting event on the back of a movie, what kind of sporting event or what kind of movie or TV show could we either rehash, redo, 
or come up with our own idea for a Scottish sporting event. Indeed. Well, Catch-22, so we put this as a sort of homework last time. Um, Catch-22 came out with something somewhere in between the shot at glory and the field of dreams. He said slightly off topic, but still related. Um, 2025, uh, Derby for the 150th anniversary. So talking about the Edinburgh Derby, both clubs oh, the Meadows. and Edinburgh Council should try and get a game at the Meadows on Christmas Day. No fans, <laughs> but commemorative strips that will cover the lost ticket revenue. We can start with seven players and still batter them. That's a good idea. No fans. I mean, how do you even start by trying to police segregation? And because you, 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 I mean, how how big a, a, a kind of um, oh that word is right at the tip of my tongue a boundary um, do you kind of have to have uh, to prevent fans from getting near the action so that they can't see? That that's a great idea. I was watching the ten and sixties the other day, and I just I longed for those days. Of staying up late, watching it on Scotsport from the old SECC. Before that, Hearts winning it. I think they won it at Ingolston, 1985. Um, but that, I mean, obviously the, that was six aside. Um, seven aside in the Meadows or 11 aside. That'd be great. I'd love something like that, just to do something different. But I get the strips. The strips are a big thing. I think I mentioned before, Major League Baseball does the City Connect jerseys. And you, like Boston's got the 613 on the, the, the patch on the side because that's their area code. And they've got the colours of the Boston Marathon and, and things like that. If we were to do a commemorative strip, we've already discussed this about what we would have on or whatever. I think you can have that once a season, surely, for, for Scottish clubs. Because you, there seems to be this, this set, kind of, look at Venezia's three jerseys. That they've put out. Look at Ajax at the weekend with three little birds and Bob Marley's son um, launching that. Uh, do we have someone at Hearts that can think outside the box <laughs> and come someone up? Someone can sing, <laughs> <laughs> but come up with a theme that would make a. Because I love that third kit right now, the Inter Milan style third kit, mm-hmm. and it's it's been out of stock for. I think they're getting stock back in October or something. You want a jersey, and some Celtic fan did a mock-up of, of a, a Celtic third kit as well, a black one with the... They had their... their Someone could design Aberdeen one, so they don't have to use last season's. Well, there is that, <laughs> but a, a theme for a, a Hearts jersey that would sell like no jersey has ever sold before. It would be the best-selling kit in Hearts history, but what theme and scheme, colour scheme, would we have to have to enable that to be a bestseller. That could be a homework for next week. It could be. Anything off the top of your head? Um, not off the top of my head, no. I, I was just <laughs> I'm, I'm still liking the idea of this game at the Meadows. I mean, you could, you know, ne- next year, the World Cup finishes, what, the week before Christmas Day? Mm-hmm. So the, the uh, starts November and ends kind of mid-December. So, Clubs won't be back yet. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't be talking a competitive game, but, you know. I, I, I love the idea. It's just a little nod. What, they do it in years? America. They do it in America. Oh, um, my God. They don't even need a the, second thought. I know it's not the 150th anniversary in 2022, but even just a... Anyway. Well, but but the thing is with that, just I, I, I really like that idea. So, NHL, okay? So, they have what's called the Winter Classic. 
uh, Major League Baseball's done the Field of Dreams, which is now going to become an annual thing. But the Winter Classic is is going to an outdoor stadium and and putting an ice rink in the middle of it and and doing something like that. So anything is possible. Now it doesn't need to be competitive. Anything Hearts Hibs is going to be, but why not? Because you, you're, you're the tenant, going back to the tenant six, you're right. You're not you're not going to get these guys. I mean, imagine a phone call to Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen, um, ah, it's Hearts. It's about Ben Woodburn. Uh, all right to take part in like a, a six or seven aside at the, the Meadows. <laughs> Sorry, what? So what you could do, you could get, you, you could get legends. Why not? Why not do a Hearts and Hibs legends game? Right? So you're not you're not playing for points or you know because imagine fans and a last minute goal scored at the Meadows and it would just be absolute chaos. It'd be nuts to be running battles down Lothian Road, <laughs> which wouldn't be for the first time. Um, but if you if you could do some sort of legends game, you could you could get someone to do a little miniature kind of version of a, a stadium, whether it's Tynecastle or Easter Road or or something, and have a five aside or a six aside featuring Hearts or Hibs legends at the Meadows with them dressed like they were. Back in the day, because they dressed like that for Field of Dreams, the, the Fox were broadcasting it, so they they, they had the kind of um, the plus fours, and it's like the the World Hickory Golf Championship. They dress for the costume period of the time, so we could get Jimmy dressed up <laughs> as someone was in. This has got legs. We could get him with the the knickerbockers, right, and the the hat and a pipe. We could do this. 150th anniversary, Hearts and Hibs legends. Why not? Let's think big. Okay. Honestly, let's not send flags to Partick when they're meant for Hearts. Let's not send a flag to Queen's Park, which is missing the apostrophe. I didn't even know that was a thing until I read a piece. It's like, oh, not only did the SPFL send the wrong flag to Partick, but they also sent one to Queen's Park that was grammatically incorrect because it didn't have an apostrophe there. Rangers are now saying we're going to get we're we're going to get one of our own to design a flag that doesn't have cinch on it that we can unfurl in September because of this argument. We seem to have the worst governing body in British sport, so why don't we take it upon ourselves to just fucking do it ourselves and come up with ideas? Everybody, everybody should be involved, with the exception of those in charge of the SPFL, and we would make it happen. I cede the floor, Your Honour. It's been too much of my shite. Um, well, on on the um, governing bodies, Hart's shirt collector suggests a series called The Doncaster Files, a fictional oh, drama Jesus. set during a worldwide <laughs> epidemic focusing on deceit, double-crossing, <laughs> ineptitude and unbelievable conclusion. Oh, oh. But the, no, no, one, no one would believe the script. No, they wouldn't. Putting, it, putting in a fictional, uh, the word fictional... Um, purely from a litigious perspective, but you could write everything that's happened in Scottish football, whether it's under Doncaster or SPFL or those in charge at Hamden, you could give it to a Hollywood scriptwriter and they'd be, they'd be thinking, that's not possible. Surely no one's that incompetent. But um, we can surprise you. Uh, George Hobbs says, The Wizard of Oz, a young man lands in a foreign land, signs for the good guys and leads them to glory in his first season. A remake of the original where a lad from Oz scores in a cup final. So I think this is, um, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Devlin hopefully um, can follow in the footsteps of previous 
Aussies. It sounded like a song at the beginning of that, The Dreams He Had. What's that song, Help? With the second mother, and the man was in China in your hand to Pow! Oh my god, oh, that, I thought that was the lyrics to China in Your Hand by Tapao, Carol Decker. Yeah, um, Gary Cowan. You remember that song, do you? I know the song. Um, That's what I thought you were saying. Sorry, Gary, Gary Cowan. Gary Cowan says he always thought Robbie had a slight bit of the Jack Nicholson's about him. So a remake of The Shining starring Robbie Nielsen, but only because I want to see him stick his head through the door and go, here's Robbie. <laughs> Isn't it funny that in all the years... Uh, well, three or whatever we've been doing this. Um, we've probably never mentioned Jack Nicholson once, but today we've mentioned him twice. Once off air, <laughs> yes. Once, once on air. Um, to Jack Nick, here's Robbie. Yeah, um, possibly. <laughs> Sandy Dowie's suggestion is actually a very decent, serious one. Says a film about McRae's battalion, showing how they trained for war and played at the same time, which is. I'd love to see. It. Is there not a, a, some sort of documentary? About McRae's Battalion. I've read the book. It's a super book by Jack Ooh. Alexander. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. I, I, I'm, I'm ashamed to, to not know if there is. Yeah. But if there isn't, if there isn't, I mean, my God. How about that for a Hollywood script? John McKellar says a school team or local Sunday League team in Scotland plays a European or EPL giant like the hockey movie Mystery Alaska. That's quite a... quite like the idea of that. The underdog getting a chance at a shot at the big boys like Brora Rangers um, getting a chance yeah. to play a professional well, like Hearts, get, Hearts yeah. getting the chance to, to take on the mighty Brora Rangers and Plucky Hearts just losing out um, Scotland's SOM STV apparently the story of McRae's okay. battalion or was that Wraith TV but there certainly has been something because there were Wraith players involved yeah, um, yeah. oh there was sorry McRae's battalion Supreme Sacrifice it was a BBC documentary done uh, about that, which I haven't seen. Um, no, neither have I. To see. Um, it was called The Supreme Sacrifice, a documentary telling the story of how the 1914 Heart of Midlothian team became the C Company of the 16th Battalion. And Wraith Rovers, um, through their TV commentator, Davy Hancock, he went to, I assume it would be Contal Maison, um, where the cairn is, because they had players that, that, that lost their lives as well. So I think they did a documentary. So that's on my um, that's on my watch list for the week ahead because I loved the book. It was it was very emotional, and a good friend of mine from Pennycook, George Hutchison, regularly makes the pilgrimage out to to Contal Maison along with a few other people that, that I know. And it's important. It's really important that we are able um, to keep that in our thoughts but also to pass it on to our next generations and the generations after that and it'll never be forgotten about but it needs to be kept in the forefront of of people's minds that the ultimate sacrifice was made um by these people back in in 1914 to to, to 1918 and i i i'm i'm going to watch that later today now i'm going to i'm going to source it and, and find it whether it's youtube or whatever and it just it keeps your feet in the ground, doesn't it? it? Keeps you humble for all the issues that we seem to have in the world, and some of us are affected more than than others. I mean, that's that's the ultimate sacrifice. 
Okay, before we go, we've obviously got to talk about Hearts' next game, and we've not got as much time as we planned because, as usual, we've gone off on a tangent or two. But let's have a quick look at Dundee United against Hearts coming up this weekend. And as we've already touched upon, it's been a while since Hearts have met Dundee United in the league. Um, Only met once in five and a half years. That was a 1-1 draw in the League Cup group stages. Hearts won the bonus point on penalty kicks against Robbie Nielsen's Dundee United. And prior to that meeting, the last one was at Tannadice. And that was during Nielsen's first spell as Hearts manager. A 2-1 Dundee United win in February 2016. I was looking at the Hearts team and in some ways I think this is interesting from a... Where have Hearts come in the last five years? Some, you know, you sometimes look at a team to think, where were, where were we then? Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. in this game, Jordan McGee got sent off. Jamie Walker scored for Hearts. Uh, it was Paul Payton who got a, a late winner for Dundee United. Side note, John Rankin, Hearts um, youth coach, was playing for Dundee United that day. But the Hearts team, so it looks like they went a 4-4-2 or maybe a 4-4-1-1 but a 4-5-1 but Neil Alexander was in goals Jordan McGee right back Juwan Oshaniwa left back Captain Ali Mouzturk against uh, Augustine at the back um, Jamie Walker Prince Boabin Don Cowie and Sam Nicholson in midfield with Dario Zanata supporting Abiola Dauda Right, hold, hold that hold, hold that thought. I'm going to give you the team from the last time Hearts won there, which was the previous October, and there are some similarities and there's some differences. So Neil Alexander... Juan Mas scored, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Jordan McGee, Washi Augustine, Igor Rossi, that's some central defensive partner, and Juwan Oshiniwa, Danny Swanson, Payardo, my goodness, Prince Boabin and Sam Nicholson, Juanma, who scored, and Osman So. That was the last time Hearts won there. So it's kind of similarities, but it just shows you how far we've come. And I mean, that Augustine and Rossi is your back two. In front of them, Swanson and Payardo with Boabin, Nicholson, Juanman, So and Yeah, I think the team you've got is slightly better. And I thought Rossi was a very good defender. Um, he was but, solid. He was not spectacular, but he was, he was pretty solid, yeah. But I mean, looking at... You know, Craig Neil Alexander was solid, but Craig Gordon's a better goal, goalkeeper. Jordan McGee and Oshaniwa, your fullbacks. Nah. Oof, um, and Cowie in the in the middle. Again, they both had they're both solid, but not spectacular. And Zanata supporting Dowda, and now we've got the likes of Boyce and Ginelli, Mackay, Stephen, Woodburn. Whole different, whole different level. But anyway, I mean, let's not too focused on that. I just think it's sometimes interesting to have a little look back at the team back then. But this is Robbie's first game against his former club, up against Tam Courts. And Dundee United on six points, Hearts on seven. And although Dundee United were very poor in that first game against Aberdeen, by all accounts, when they lost 2-0 on the opening day, league-wise, they've since beaten Rangers 1-0 at Tanadice, and they got a 1-0 win away to St Johnston last time out. So that's a couple of really good results for them. It's got the makings of an intriguing encounter. And similar to when we went to St Mirren, these are these are games where it's it's really interesting to see how we set up and how we approach it. Yeah. I was looking at the table from last year. Dundee United missed out on the top six by a point, albeit with goal difference as well. So a couple of points, I suppose. But they were pretty close. They were pretty close to, to getting into the... The top six. I know they, they beat Aberdeen in the final game before the split, but that wouldn't have made much of a difference anyway. Um, 
they're all right. They've they've surprised me. I'm sure they've surprised many, especially after watching the highlights of their game at Aberdeen on the first match day. You're kind of looking at the odds of, okay, well, what price done United to go straight down? Because they, they didn't look good at all. But what a way to bounce back. I mean, victory over Rangers, first time they've lost for ages. And then a win at a St. Johnson side that are they really are flying the flag. Or one of the teams flying the flag for Scotland and Europe with some fantastic results and performances. So they've, they've bounced back really well. Now, am I right in saying that Peter Pollitt will be suspended because he was sent off against St Johnston. He, he was um, sent off, so I, I assume he will be. Because this is their next game, isn't it? There isn't a, and it was a league game, so um, it's not going to miss a European tie. St Johnston, Peter Paul. Um, oh, sorry, Dundee United. Yeah, so so he scored the winning goal, so he'll he'll be missing. So that must be a blow for them. Um, uh, I'm loath to fall into the trap that we always seem to easily fall into. We're hearts, we've got better players, we'll win. Because we've seen so often it doesn't work like that. But the game against St. Johnston, they played 4-4-2. The game against Rangers, they kind of went it's a 4-3-3, but it was a hybrid. So it was like a 4-5-1. So they do play with, with four at the back. Um I think the, the onus is on them to to push forward, and I think they um, will. Being I think they will, yeah, given I, how exactly. they played against Rangers. So I think, uh-huh. in some ways, that's why I think it might be interesting to see how we how we do in a game where there might be a bit more space for us to work with and counter attack. Because I think it'll be similar to St. Mirren, Laurie. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, intriguing. Would you have Ben Woodward start? Uh, Woodward, Ben Woodward starting. Hundred percent. Yeah. Where? In, in place of Haring. So you'd have him in the middle. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I'd and have him licensed. I'd, I'd have him with license. Same front three, but with him centre mid. Yeah, yeah. Because if I'm playing, well, I, I assume that that um, Kingsley won't be available. So Halliday is going to be your your left sided wing back. And he can cover. Benningham may play in the right-sided defensive midfield role, so I, I would have, I would have Halliday. This is kind of it's, it's not hypocrisy because we're we're talking earlier about having more adventurous um, attacking players in the in the team and not having seven defensive type players, and we're probably going to end up with the same wing backs. But I think I think introducing an additional attacking player in there. And, and allowing allowing um, Halliday to get forward um, when he's not covering for uh, for um, Ben Woodburn. So I, I, again, look, Robbie Robbie will know them a lot better than we do. He'll have had them watched. He'll he'll know a lot of the players that are still there from when he was there, and I'm sure he'll have scouted those that that are new. I'm. I'm I'm kind of I'm going back to the conversation we had prior to the St Mirren game, where at first I said I would I would accept a point, and then I said wait a minute, no I wouldn't, and I was right not to. Are you taking a point now? I'm offering it to you without playing the game. Yeah, I probably would. I'd like to see if we go there and it's a decent open game and and it's, it ends in a draw. I won't be overly disappointed. I, I think if we go there and we set up very defensively and we kind of grind out a draw, I'll I be. Don't want us to do that. No, I'll be very disappointed. I think... But I think 
a good draw. I would take that now if that makes sense. You know what? I'd probably take a two-all draw because that would that would tell you things. It would tell you that they probably had a goal or they've probably left themselves a wee bit too open. There might be one or two mistakes. A nil-nil, I wouldn't. I'm not interested in. That. I know it's a point apiece for each outcome, but if we're going to draw the, I, I, I don't know the answer. I'm not. I haven't decided yet. I, I don't know if I would take a point, but I just I want us to to be a bit more proactive. I want us to play on the front foot a little bit more. I want us to let them worry about who they're facing as opposed to the team that we're facing. Oh, we need to, we need to stop them. Going back to to, to Robbie being a, a pragmatic coach at times. Take the, the training wheels off. Take the tra- the stabilizers off. Just we we've got really good players, but we have to get them more involved. I don't want to see kind of well. Let's build a wall. Let's, let's let them break us down. Get the ball quicker to Guy Mackay Stephen. Get the ball quicker to Josh Ginelli. He said last week, um, was it this is my story podcast that, that he was on? Yes. Last week. Excellent. And credit to the guys for, for, for getting him on and, and congrats and well done to Hearts for facilitating that as well. It was a really good lesson. He's like, I'm desperate to get the goal. Well, he needs service. So Woodburn starts 100%. Um, but I'm not taking Mackay Stephen or Ginelli out. I might do what you suggested earlier and I play a 4-2-3-1 and play Woodburn instead of Halliday. Cochrane at left back, Smith at right back, Suter and um, Suter and, and Halkett. Then you've got Haring and Beningamy. And then you can have Gary Mackay Stephen on one side, Ginelli on the other, and you can have Ben Woodburn with Liam Boyce. And I think with Woodburn playing as a 10 and allowing him to be closer to, to Liam Boyce, I think you'll see a better Liam Boyce because he won't have to do as much chasing and he should still be a bit fresher towards the end of the game. So. I think you might have stumbled upon something earlier um, with a slight change in formation. I think the 3-4-3 long term is probably a, the, the, the right formation for Hearts if we can get the players that can fit in. But I think right now with the addition of Woodburn, I think a 4-2-3-1 might be a better option this weekend at, um, at Tanadice. I think the, the day of recording today is Tuesday now. I, I, congratulations to Craig Gordon, who... By the looks of the Scotland squad, is clearly Scotland's number one. Um, David like Marshall's it, yeah. third choice at Derby now, so he's not involved. And John McLaughlin um, isn't getting his game at, at Rangers, so he's played he's three of the seven. I thought he would get in because he's playing more. He's he's like they're almost alternating between. He's yeah, playing the think, league games really, isn't yeah. he? So well, I think McGregor played at the weekend. Um, I think look, it's Alan McGregor's position. I think he'll be the one going forward, but. Um, I was just looking. So Craig Gordon's got 57 Scotland caps, um, and the record cap holder for a goalkeeper is Jim Layton, right? So he's, he's not going to get that because that's that's 91. So what do we say is the over under on on Craig, who's 38, but still feels he's got another at least three years in him? Do you think he could get to 75? They get some special award. That's another 18 caps for, for Scotland. I can't see him getting as many as that. No. Okay. I, I, I think... Well, but, but when you think about it, you've got, the, you've, you've got the three group games at the World Cup. You've then got the knockout stages at the World Cup, plus the World Cup final when Scotland reach there in Qatar next but, week. But, I mean, I think... I, 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 I would be surprised if 
Steve Clark wasn't looking to plan ahead as well yeah, at some point. Youngsters, yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be great if he it'd be great if he could, but I just I, I can see him still getting a few more. Yeah, before he's usurped by um, by Harry Stone. Once Harry's learned to pass to a team, yeah, yeah. I think he maybe, he maybe saw were Arbroath playing in Maroon. I'm sure they would have been because if they were playing at home, he maybe, he maybe saw that and just had a brain fart moment and played it straight to to a Maroon jersey. And um, unfortunately for Harry, he was playing for Partick at the time on loan at the weekend and and kicked it straight to an Arbroath player who promptly scored beyond him and and Arbroath are up to fourth. So. I think what Craig Gordon will be targeting internationally, if, he, you know, if we're talking about records, and he said this before, he said this to us on the show, would be Stephen Presley's um, 32 caps. So Stephen Presley, the most capped player whilst playing for Hearts. And I think he needs seven maybe more to beat that. I don't have it in front of me, but it's around that. Um, okay. I think he's on maybe 25 or 26. I should have had this in front of me beforehand, but he's he could potentially. That's obviously fairly realistic if he gets a number one, gets a number so, one jersey. Because Andy Webster's second, I, oh he was second. I don't know if Craig's overtaken him now with twenty-seven Scotland caps while playing for for Hearts. Right, so I think he must be on twenty-six then because he played a game against Slovakia in twenty twenty. That was after returning to Hearts because that was November 2020. That was on to 24, and he then played. Um, he played against the Netherlands. We spoke about, and he played against the Faroe Islands. So that's ah, two more. So okay. he played against 31st of March. He played. Um, he started against the Faroe Islands, and then 2nd of June. So he's on 26 yes, as he's Hearts one, player. He's one so. so the the the, the game's coming up. Assuming he plays both, um, or is it three? However many there are, um, he will eclipse, if he starts or plays them both, he will eclipse Andy Webster and overtake him and go into second place. And 28 caps while playing for Hearts would then be just four behind Stephen Presley. Indeed. Well, good luck to him when he's on international duty. We do have one club game left before then, and hopefully it's a positive result for Hearts, and we'll speak about it next week. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet at Around the Funnel or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>